With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steeler. Fury. Welcome to part one of our draft extravaganza here at the Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw DeBan, a.k.a. Will Massasak. We have lots of stuff coming up for you today. Talk about what's transpired in the Steelers offseason. Talk about Steelers draft needs. Talk about the draft overall. Have a special guest in Nick Faribault, who you might know from Steelers Depot and Twitter and his draft profiles. And then in part three... We will have a full-on Steelers draft war room where we talk about all 10 picks, who's available at that slot, who we like, who we don't like, and we will select a full draft for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's episode three. So we have over two hours of draft content for you coming up um, in the next three pieces. So without further ado, it's the best episode of the year. With me, as always, joining me again for season uh, 12, 13, I forget, from Pittsburgh Suburban Zone 22. I'm not going to stop that joke until you get a new phone. His name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Merry draft, Miss Boys and Girls. <laughs> <laughs> Merry draft, Miss, indeed. Indeed. Let's see, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. This is our 12th, the beginning of our 12th season here of the Steeler Fury Steelers podcast. With us for all 12 seasons is our next cohort. He is somewhere in the South enjoying that it's not snowing there. This is his kind of season too. His name is FC. He is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I would like to point out to Pittsburgh Steelers draft very well when Tiger Woods wins the Masters. Ooh. <laughs> Who was the pick 14 years I ago, sir? Uh, that would be 2005. Um, that would be heading into the Super Bowl, and I believe that would be the year Miller. before Ziggy Hood. That would be correct. That would be Heath Miller. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, that's a Tiger Woods connection to the Steelers draft I had never considered. So um, I'm really glad you're with this man. <laughs> no, my fucking killing me from walking the lovely grounds of Augusta National. Uh, I, I was looking for you, man. Yeah, that some bitch is big. That's what they always say: is that the walking there for the players there they they wear out when they get to that uh, middle of that second nine. So, luckily, it well, wasn't very hot. It was humid. If it's if it's hot and humid, you see fucking people break. There, <laughs> you literally do. Yeah, well, I look for you on the broadcast. Couldn't see you, but I figured you were there somewhere, um, hiding out. Standing in the front, blocking someone's view, stuff like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so I'll start with you, Perch. Anything uh, significant happened since the last time we talked in the, in, in the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, if you boys and girls just listen to this podcast <laughs> on a regular basis, you'll know the future. And if you go back to week two, when Antonio Brown had his little sideline tantrum against the Chiefs, kind of stopped the podcast and went on a tangent about how this guy's life's out of control. And if you know the history of the guy, and he's got all these issues, and it's going to end badly. Well, holy shit, did it end badly. So um, hopefully it's the last time we have to talk about that guy ever on the podcast. But, boy, you could see that coming a mile away, and it, it happened. And uh, I couldn't be more bummed. My son and I were just in the basement the other day looking at, uh, we got an Antonio Brown frame jersey, and we're like, should we throw that thing away, or what the hell should we do with it? So, uh, yeah, just, just bummed for, you know, one of the most tremendous players we've ever seen in the Steelers uniform to uh, go the way he did. Uh, but, yeah, that's the last word I need to say about him. All I will say, Perch, is you know if they if they draft Marquise Brown and give him eighty four, that that's a double slap to AB where it really hurts because the jersey sales start going to Marquise Brown and, and stop going to Antonio Brown. Fair enough, FC. Uh, you got any uh, any commentary on your your man Love Bell and the uh, and I mean I know Antonio Brown. I mean first of all, those of you who are regular listeners, you already know this. If you if you've not listened to the show for years and years and years. My man FC was the person here who put his entire he, – he bet the house that Antonio Brown, six-round pick out of Central Michigan, would be a superstar in the NFL, which was pretty bold at that time. And, you know, it's amazing what actually transpired from that. You gained a lot of credibility from that. Not that you needed to, but you gained a lot. But you, you, know, were, you know, I lost a lot. <laughs> well, but the thing yeah. is he had, a, he had an amazing run. I think you got your – you got your draft oh, value money. Well, with, yeah, yeah. Great, great, great pick. Um, great player. Um, had to go. Um, I hope that the organization as a whole looked inward and assessed the situation and got rid of all malcontents. They have everybody rowing in the same direction now, hopefully. And uh, just move along. I mean, move on. I mean, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were great Steelers. I believe that, you know, people argue that Antonio Brown might be the best skill position offensive player to play and for the Steelers in the last however, however, many, however many years you want to say. Um, he was a great player. He's gone. Um, I hope somebody fucking kills him going across the middle. But I would say the same thing about any Steeler that left. He just left in a horrible way. I think he burned some bridges in the western Pennsylvania area that might affect him when he goes into Canton, Ohio. So. Yeah, I was going to say about Love Bell. You know, I don't think Love Bell was malcontent per se. I just think his priorities right. were, were just twisted. Right. Like, I think someone got in his head about what he was going to, getting paid, what his role was, and it could be as simple as his agent saying to him, well, you know, they have to recognize that you are doing, doing a lot of work in the receiving game, and somehow that getting conflated in his mind to, I, I deserve to be paid like two players, etc., and and the thing is, you know, I think he's was he was respected in the locker room. I think he played hard. And other than the fact that he did something that didn't really make any sense for him in a way to give up the money and give up the year, I'm not really sure if there's a reason to hate him. But you know, still he's a uh, he's he's moved on. I think I'm tired of talking about him, hidden hearing about him. And so is your dog. <laughs> your dog is like you're talking about Bella. Is that Bella we're talking about? No, that's actually um, my. I'm house sitting, dog sitting my mom's dogs, 
and that is actually a 15-pound West Town White Terrier. Oh my, my parents God, took a cruise. Oh, yeah, dude. He is, <laughs> he's taking care of Oh, my God. It's a, talk is 15 pounds. I think it's 150 pounds. Yeah, he, all right. oh, he rules over Bella. All right. Well, got it. Well, all right. Well, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Steelers' needs. So we have a lot of picks, first of all. And I think it's clearer than usual what the needs are. But I have a feeling we're going to differ just a little bit. So uh, I'll start with you, Perch. Looking at this team as it sits right now, give me the top couple of needs as you see it for the Steelers. Well, I, I mean, I think we could probably all agree on the first one. Inside linebacker is still, I think, quite a huge need. Um, that one I think we could probably all agree on. After that, it's really depth at a lot of positions. I, I think they need a third safety. I think they can use a corner to – uh, either replace Hayden in a couple of years or to compliment Hayden. Um, that's, you know, that's obvious. Wide receiver is still up in the air. I mean, a lot, they've acquired people at a lot of these positions to kind of fill in, but, you know, it, replacing Antonio Brown is going to take a lot. Uh, and even losing Jesse James is, is something that uh, uh, you've got one real NFL caliber tight end and he happens to get hurt a lot. So tight ends a pretty solid need. Running back, after the first two guys, I think you've got one NFL-caliber starter and one solid backup. They need at least a third runner because how many times have we gone to the playoffs with a banged-up starting running back and had things go horribly wrong because of not enough depth there? To me, those are the, those are the major ones. And then, you know, edge rusher, too, with, you know, Bud Dupree being pretty mediocre and making a pretty fair amount of money at this point. He'll be a free agent next year if they can maybe replace and upgrade him. Uh, that's an option. So really, it's 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 going to set up where they can sit back and go BPA because they do have some options uh, at all those positions. Who knows if all of them? Are, I'm sure some will work out, some of them won't. But they're at a position at least they put themselves with a which they usually try to try to do. But they don't have to reach for any one position. They could sit back and just take the best player and hope it all works out. Yeah, yeah. FC, you got anything to add to that? No, that's that's how I, <laughs> I I know I line up with that. The only place where I'm a little bit different than Perch is, and I'm going to be different than you from reading what you have to, to say and what you post. Um, matters what you think of Emmons and what they think of Marcus Allen um, about the third safety. I may have that a little bit further down on the priority list, but I agree with everything that Perch said. I might add interior offensive linemen because I think we're going to probably lose Finney after this year. We have a nice balance outside, but maybe an interior offensive line. I think this is a, a very special draft for the center guard position. So I think you might be able to get a real nice steal in the mid to late rounds, but you know, Tit for tat, I, I I could not agree more with Perch. It's we need talent, we need depth, we need a lot of yeah, positions. Yeah, I think it's the only reason I think I will add to this is I think there's three hidden areas, and it does relate it sort of to the talent and depth. You can have a guy that's your starter and say, well, we don't need a starter, we have one. But the only way you really get better is if you upgrade guys who are starters who are not that great. And to me... You know, to me, I'm going to target Sean Davis as a guy who can definitely be upgraded, and I'll tell you why. The Steelers were 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 26th in middle of the field pass defense, and some of that's on the inside linebacker 
parade of players at inside linebacker coverage. But they were 27th in deep middle of the field coverage. And okay, so you add that to the fact that the turnovers are almost legendarily bad considering how much pressure they get on a quarterback. Um, then I think it's like, you know, I, I love Sean Davis as a person and a guy you want to have in your locker room. So, so I don't want to push him off the roster, but I think he'd be better off, be way better if he's your third safety, potentially. I, I'm, I'm willing. I think Edmonds went better as the year went on. So I can believe there's a role for him somewhere in there. But, uh, but to me, in theory, it'd be better just to have a very active free safety with this defense who can line up deep and still make plays near the line of scrimmage and can basically steal the ball away a couple of times a year. Um, I think if you add that element to the mix that they already have, it makes their corner play better. It makes the interior, uh, their middle linebacker play better. So, so that's one area. Second area is defensive line depth that can get after the passer. Um, Alo Alo, I think, is a nice backup to have. He's steady, five-tech, two-gap kind of guy. But he's not really going to get pressure on the passer. And it seemed like last year that even when they had had situations where they could have rotated interior pass rushers, they didn't have the bodies to do it. So I could see a guy who's versatile enough to give you some pass rush from either the middle or, or from you know nickel rusher, or even et cetera, to come in. And the third thing, special teams. Special teams were atrocious both last year and the year before. And they kept a coach. So if you're going to keep the coach, you've got to change players. To, to me, they need an infusion of guys who are special teams guys. And if they don't, you can expect the same results again this year. They were the, the best unit that they had was kickoff coverage. They were sixth. They were 16th in punt return and maybe probably a little more credit than they deserved in that regard. I think they were a little below average in punt return. And the other units, place kicking, punting, punt coverage, uh, were all in the bottom three in the NFL. So to me, it's like you got to deal with special teams in this draft. Um, that's my rant. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily that much different, but one thing that you mentioned off air, FC, I'm going to get purchased input because I don't know if he knows this, but FC, you seem convinced that the Steelers are going to change their style of play this year, more this year, the, more than most people do. I would not be surprised if we throw the ball 75 to 100 less times this year. Um, I think there will be – a few reasons why. Um, one, I don't think we'll be trailing in as many games. Two, we won't have an ego to fill and get his touches constantly. Um, three, um, the best way to protect the defense is to be able to control the ball and the clock. And four, the best way to control the ball and the clock is to be able to run the ball effectively. Basically, what I'm saying is I think the Steelers' running game was ineffective last year um, because we didn't do a great job of blocking them up and we had to go to a more finesse passing game to keep the Albatross wearing 84 somewhat subdued. So I expect the Steelers to throw the ball less because they're going to have to lead in more games um, and because they're going to have a conscious effort to have the defense on the field for less snaps. Yeah, that's the thing is, though, that's only five snaps a game. I mean, it's like it's not – what you're talking about is not sure. It's not seem like, like I'm like right. Like, I'm not saying we're going back to Carball. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are some that would be into that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Perch. What's your take on that? Do you, do you do you think he's on the right track? Yeah, I do. I, I think that uh, there's going to be some slight subtle changes. Uh, just 
when you read between the tea leaves and you hear Colbert talking about uh, the need to get more defensive backs that make plays on the ball. And in the past, we'd always scouted guys that were physical and run defenders and played more zone. And it's, it's been trickling that way. The league in general, but yeah, that's even the more. thing is though, that's only five snaps a game. I mean, I mean, it, it's, really it's not what you're talking about. I, think that I mean, what you're, what you're talking about is not gambles on the ball a little bit more in the draft than they would just a steady, you know, uh, wrap up tackle. And, and play your <laughs> Although there are some, you know, defense. who so, might like that. You know, the, the more flexible. The, <laughs> um, the okay, well, Perch, what's your take on that? Do you, do you think he's on the right track? Schemes they use. So yeah, I, I do think they're going to kind of get uh, towards the the modern modern defense a little bit more than than they've been able to because they've been kind of hamstrung with personnel issues the past few years. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems like it. I mean, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's the underlying. As you talk about hidden factors, the underlying factor of what they had to do to placate Antonio Brown and and the different tension between you know some people in the organization and Todd Haley and some other people about what they were, you know, how they were feeding Bell and how they were not playing other guys. I think last you saw last year the, the beginnings of them coming out of that, you know, where they're trying to get more diverse on offense and, you know, and give a couple of different running backs touches. Some of that was necessity, but some of that was, I think, clearly designed to try to make the offense more effective, even though it had one fewer star last year and now another big star gone this year. Um, so so I kind of kind of buy it, you know, I mean, five touches a game—that's that's not so—that's not such a big deal to me. In my mind, having a hundred fewer throws a year, it sounds like a lot. But when you break it down and to what that really boils down to, you're still talking about Ben being something like uh, 24 for 37 for 292 yards per game, right? So that would be five. That'd be the same stats for, uh, from last year with five fewer attempts I mean, per game. That still sounds like three or four attempts, obviously. I mean, we're not yeah, going to yeah, be sure. able to successfully run the ball, but there will be games where he might be 17 to 21 for 334 yards and four touchdowns, where he doesn't throw the ball very much in the hmm. second half. Yeah, sure. Well, there's still the, what I consider the second round of free agency, where you have the players that go overlooked in the first round, hold out, or basically after the draft, then teams know exactly what they have to address. So, you know, like, um, Going into this draft, we're thinking we can take any position. Maybe we'll say tight end. And let's say that there's a guy that they like. He's not going to be your typical, you know, he's not going to be a first tight end. He's not going to press Vance McDonald. But he might be one hell of a run block. Same one like James Shaughnessy, who resigned. But there will be other guys out there that sure. you, you can address the position. Yeah, exactly. And I was just going to say, I think that, you know, uh, something like the the running backs and tight ends, you know, they have guys now, but they, they're looking to try to find a better combination than what they have, I think, you know. So, a different um, combination. A different combination, yeah, right. Yeah. Right, because I um, think they love Superback and I, they love Connor. So, I mean, I think they would like to probably get something that's slightly different than the two of them. Yeah, right. Well, I, have a quick, I have a quick question for you, Perch, as regards wide receivers, and that is, do you think the Steelers prefer to have a bunch of similar guys? They're like, like they don't. For years, we've been trying to diversify their group when we do this exercise. 
but it, it seems like they just keep trying to get closer and closer to the same kind of guys. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's just my imagination. I, I, I think they've got they want guys that are position flexible. I think that is something important. I mean, like a Juju, he's he's a guy that can was a big slot, a guy who can also play on the outside. But then they've got you know kind of redundant guys like. Uh, Eli Rogers and Switzer that are just going to be slot guys and that's pretty much the end of it and it looks like you know they're trying to get that that outside that X receiver that James Washington and Moncrief somebody to kind of take the top off the defense so to me they kind of have two of everything but they're they're lacking that one real a plus sort of deep threat now with Brown gone they're, they're really lacking the big time playmaker so I think that they just looking at that and I talked about AJ Brown a bit they can go a lot of different ways because they do want guys who are redundant. So, I mean, probably I think you think the other way on that. To me, if you get another Juju, which I think A.J. A. Brown is, one of them could play the outside, one could play the slot. They're going to create matchup issues in, in different spots. You can kind of pick pick and choose, you know, which way you go with it. But I think it just gives you a lot of versatility uh, to do that well, and just to take the guy who, who's very versatile and, and very solid that can create a lot of uh, matchup problems for the defense. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm not opposed to the idea. I just feel like you're, uh, if you want to diversify your offense, you want to diversify the personnel, the groups. You know, I mean, that to me it gives you so much more flexibility. And I think that's one of the things I really like about both New England and New Orleans in terms of how they operate on offense is that they have a bunch of different kind of guys and, and, uh, and they bring them in and out at will. And there's never like the sense of, we have to have Antonio Brown on the field every play. We have to have Jimmy Graham on the field every play. And they, they you know, those guys were very different about how they do things. And I think it made it harder the to defend. The point, though, is you also get a little bit predictable by personnel groupings. You know what this guy can do if he's a one-trick pony. You know what, what his job is and his role is and what route he's going to run. So, I mean, there, it, there's both sides of that coin. Yeah. Sure. Well, okay. Well, listen, listen, let's, let's uh, shift gears a little bit to talk about the, the uh, free agents that the Steelers signed um, in the, the first round of free agency anyway. And that would be, you know, basically Mark Barron at the linebacker position and, uh, and Steven Nelson. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'll start. I mean, I actually really like, actually really like Steven Nelson coming out and, and Perch, I know you did as well. I feel like he's a he's a very nice number two corner, a veteran on your team, and a big upgrade from Sensabaugh, which is the guy essentially he replaced. What's your take on the Steelers free agents that they signed, Perch? Well, I'll start with that one. Yeah, I'm a fan of Nelson. I was a big fan of Nelson of him coming out back at Oregon State. I was one of the guys that we looked at, just a guy who made a lot of plays on the ball. Athletic guy, versatile by the, guy. By the way, the Perch, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt. I think we, we picked him in this in our draft show. Almost positive we did, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. talked about him and, and to have it kind of come full circle. But uh, big compete level, too. Not the biggest guy, but he backs down from nobody. So he's a tough corner. He fits the Steelers' mold. So one of the things that I keep thinking about him was in the comments uh, when they announced him you know, at the signing there the, uh, that um, they like his ability to also slide over to play slot, which is big for them. Again, Steelers being big on versatility. Looking at the draft, they're also linked to the top corners in the draft. So what if you have Hayden on one side, one of the top, really, the top, one of the top two corners in the draft should fall to pick 20, and then Nelson slides in and plays the slot. Now all of a sudden you potentially have three really good corners, as good as I can remember any time since 1980 forward, 
Uh, I think that that would have the potential to have two good outside guys plus Nelson. So if they went that way in the draft, they have that versatility. And if they don't, then he plays the outside. You still have uh, uh, the other guys, Hilton uh, in, in the slot and, and the other guys for depth. So it gives them a lot of versatility to go a number of different ways to the draft. I, I like the player there. Um, the other guys, Baron, eh, to me, it's just like uh, an oh shit pick that, <laughs> you know, hey, we're, we're, we think we're going to miss out on the top inside linebackers in the draft for like the third year in the row. And we have to have a, a safety valve there. Um, and then Moncrief. Now, I, I would have really loved the Moncrief if Antonio Brown was still here because that was kind of the missing piece. If we had Brown and Juju and then Moncrief to, to kind of take the top off the of defense, that would have been a great signing. If we're signing him to be a starter, eh, <laughs> don't like it quite as much. But I, he, he's a good player. He'll help in a, you know help the overall group and have a different caliber, different style of player, uh, kind of like you were just talking about. So overall, I like two of the three. Baron to me is just like. You know, it's putting the the bandaid on the bullet hole and and hoping you could patch <laughs> it up if you fail in the draft to get a good young inside linebacker. <laughs> yeah, FC. I know where you're going with this. Hit me. Um, you may be surprised. Um, okay. I completely agree with Perch on Nelson and you. I mean, um, if best case scenario, we have three high quality corners. We were in out of base defense 61% of the time last year. Basically, the Steelers ran base um, 39% of the time. That does include goal line defenses and personnel. But still, that's a that's a crazy number. And I'm not going to only say we had three corners on the field, but now if uh, we choose to or if we're forced to play three corners, those are you know, uh, a high draft pick. If it Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker, you know, Byron Marshall, whoever it is, you, you, you know, you have a you have a stud, so that you can put out there with a very good player in Stephen Nelson, a very good player. Okay. Um, I am also not a huge fan of Mark Barron. The one thing I will say is he's improved every year, every game. He's trans you know, transitioned from strong safety, coming out of Alabama, very high rated talent. Didn't work out at safety, moved inside linebacker. Really took strides forward with. He played for a variety of defensive coordinators. Um, he picked up traits. His game has improved. I don't like the the cash figure. I don't like the two-year deal. I wish it was a one-year deal. Um, but I agree with Perch where it was definitely an insulary move in case we don't get an inside linebacker that we desire in the draft. And I like Moncrief. Um, I, he's going to probably be a starter um, in title. Um that doesn't mean he's going to play the most plays or if we draft, you know, a stud, whoever it is that, you know, can produce, can take the top off the defense, can make plays that can get open. So be it, you know, at worst, Moncrief might be our third or fourth wide receiver, and that's that's fine with me. Um, they still have holes to fill. And like I said, the second wave, the late wave of free agency, I think they'll, and via the draft, they'll address those holes. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I guess the question I'll, I'll throw out to you, I'll throw it to you, Perch, because I think you think the most highly of Devin Bush, the the guy that's been linked to the Steelers repeatedly, and, and that is, can you tell me the difference between Mark Barron coming out and Devin Bush coming out? Because because I'm feeling like they're Barron was even more highly rated, touted, but they're kind of a similar kind of player with similar issues. Um, you know, Barron was more looked at as a safety. I mean, was he even being discussed as a linebacker when he came out? 
No, but I guess what I'm saying is they're, they're, they're very similar size. They're similar athletes, just that in, in that era of Alabama's defense, he was, he was a strong safety. Michigan had a safety playing the position that Devin Bush is playing now before Devin Bush played it, right? So it's, it's sort of like they've – I feel like it's just a nomenclature, but they're essentially similar players. Maybe, maybe I, they're too similar in my mind compared to what they really are, but I'm – you know, I think Bush is more of a of a weak outside linebacker, um, kind of more in the shazier mold, where he's got that speed and athleticism to go sideline to sideline and make a lot of tackles and, and make plays. I understand there's some warts on him that you know you might not think he holds up well enough in the box. He might not have had a lot of splash plays in college that you would like to see. I think all the tools are there. Um, you know, I'm not. You, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk pick. I don't think it's the safest pick, but he's the most realistic option to kind of fill the biggest hole on the team. So it's somebody you got to look at and somebody you got to talk about. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, pounding the table for Bush, but I, I, I would at least consider him, if that makes sense. I mean, we're all on the same page that we wouldn't trade up for him. I would not trade up for him. Okay. Um, I believe he's going to be taken – before the Steelers pick, I will say that. And I'm going to also utter some other dirty words. Whenever I see Devin Bush, he reminds me a lot of uh, the hero back role under, here comes the dirty words, Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, you know, uh, where you had like the, everyone's thinking this three, three, five that came around in the last five years is new and inventive, but not really. Penn State was running the old three, three, five back in the, late 80s, and they just called the, the extra defensive backslash linebacker the hero back. Mm-hmm. And then to me, he's basically he's playing Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers played. What, what Jabril Absolutely. Peppers did. So he's sort of like an improved, bigger version of Jabril Peppers. People were talking about Jabril Peppers being a slam dunk to the Steelers that year as well, but but geez, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I'm, uh, I'm very I, – I see several people that are very – into him, I think he's the greatest prospect that's come out in a year, and I'm just like I I watch the tape and I just don't see it. Could could be just that, that I don't is see the it. Big problem with with Bush. Um, his he does have great highlight plays, but whenever you know push comes to shove, there's just yeah, not yeah. enough there, not enough meat on the bone, especially for a Michigan linebacker. I understand the Big Ten is not our granddad is Big Ten, but. You know, hey, it's Perch. still a oh. tough guy. It's tough guy football. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you, FC. Perch, no tell me, uh, let's switch just a little bit to the overall draft for a minute. Let's talk about players that are going to go before the Steelers pick, let's say, you know, that you are either higher than usual on or lower than usual on. Like, what do you, who do you, what do you think of Kyler Murray? Let's start there. Of who? <laughs> Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. The little, little midget quarterback everybody's trying to catch lightning in a bottle on. I mean – I wouldn't be trading up for him. I wouldn't want to take him number one overall. I wouldn't want to risk my job on him. Do I ever think he has a chance with the, you know, the, the, the passing game in the NFL and the rules and things? It might allow him to be a little bit more successful than, than he would have in the past. I think he'll be an average starting NFL quarterback. Would I take him in the first round? Probably. Would I be uh, jumping, doing cartwheels like when we took Ben? No. Um, yeah. You know, I, I see the tools. I see the accuracy. I see the mobility. I see a lot of the warts too, um, not just the size. So, you know, I, I you know, quarterbacks are going to get overdrafted. He's probably 
the one in this draft class that has the best chance of of hitting. So I see why teams are considering him high. Yeah, well, it's a pretty bad draft class for quarterbacks. Um, FC, I'm going to give you a couple of things. You you tell me true or false. Kyler Murray uh, would be the fastest player in the NFL. False. Ooh. Who do you think is faster? Might be the quickest. Might be the quickest. Um, who could be faster? Hollywood Brown. <laughs> that's funny because that's funny because you know they're both of them say the same. Both Hollywood Brown and Murray said in a forty it would be Murray, and in the you know eighty. The kid, how about the Hollywood kid that Brown. we signed from the Canadian Football League? Uh, I believe he went to Toledo. That's a four-two-two guy. We we signed him. This he was a futures pick from the Canadian Football League. Oh, there you go. He has a unique yeah. for. I'm. I'm not even going to try to butcher uh, Deontay. Deontay Spencer. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well. FC. How about another higher or lower than usual guy amongst the top picks? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe this is the time to talk about uh, Devin White. Do we think Devin White is? Uh, I don't know. As a Mike linebacker, let's say, is the best linebacker in the draft. Oh, he's going to be the first one taken. Do I think he could bust? Yes. Do I think he's going to bust? No. Do I think he's going to be as good as people think he is? No. Um, there's a lot to like. He loves football. He's absolutely nasty. He reminds me a lot of Patrick Willis from Ole Miss. Yeah, I feel yeah. I think that would be a fair comparison. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't think good he's coverage, all... too. I, I think that's the big thing. With him. Yeah. It's, Patrick Willis is actually very underrated in coverage, yes. Yeah, Um Anybody else, Perch, you want to talk about? Uh, I could talk about position groups. I'd rather talk position groups than individual players at this point. But, um, yeah, go for it. You just you know, If you kind of run down the offense, I don't think there's a first-round caliber running back in this class. I really don't. I think there's probably two or three guys that have a second-round grade, another few guys that have a third-round grade, and there's some decent depth through the middle rounds. It's not a great running back draft. Wide receivers – it's real tough to figure out which guy is wide receiver one and how many of those guys go in the first round, maybe a couple, but there's a bunch with second round grades and there's a nice second and third round. You're going to find some real nice receivers. Uh, Interior offensive lines are a great group. The the centers and the guards are really good tackles. I think are, you know, average, a couple of good good tackles. There are a couple of uh, depth tackles there. Quarterbacks. I give a shit less about, I I don't think, you know, Murray's the one everybody will <laughs> talk about. There's a couple other guys there who will get drafted high and fade out pretty quick. Defensive line, you know, defensive tackles, outstanding draft. You know, if you needed a tackle, and boy, there's there's seven, eight guys that can go through the first couple rounds that are really good there. Edge rushers, you know, some of those guys are going to hit and miss. Inside linebackers, yeah, two two at the top, and then a little bit of depth. You you got to really kind of struggle to find one there. Corners too. I mean. How many of those corners really deserve a first-round grade? I don't know. There's three of them that might go in the first round. Maybe one of yeah. them goes. But then I, I feel like it's... I love the depth. The guys you're going to get in the third and fourth round, the grade on them versus the grade of the guy in the first round is, to me, it's it's split in hairs. There's not a lot of difference. So just knowing what that, I probably would lean to not take a corner in the first round because I think I can get a really good corner and also safety. Again, there's not a safety that I would pick in the first round, but there's a fuck ton that I would take in the second, third, fourth round. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it's just like you get the the, the overall view of, of this draft to me is the positions, and I forgot to talk about tight end, that the Steelers really need. There's going to be a bunch of good players, wide receiver, uh, 
uh, cornerback, safety, even tight end, second, third, fourth round in those areas, there will be good players. So it's dirty words in Pittsburgh, but this might not be the worst year in the history of the world to trade down. Get out of that pick 20, and if you can get, you know, a late, a late one and a late two for it, boy, that would really help things out, I think. Yeah, but nothing better than trading down and then using your low picks to trade up to get more picks in that bunch where you think there's value. I'm totally with you on corners. I'll even go further. You said third round. I, I think you could pick a guy on day three who's nearly it's, – it's, it's a matter of taste. It's like what style of corner you're looking for. The difference in grade between guys who are going to go in rounds five or six versus round two in the cornerback population is grades are going to be pretty damn similar. I also agree with you about defensive tackle – but there are some excellent players. I think you it drops off a cliff at some point. But anyway, FC, I'll let you have at it. Pretty much, uh, I'm you know picking up what you're both laying down. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I I think the Steelers could be in a prime position to move down. I think they can get a little bit more value at twenty. Um, I think it's going to be a hot pick for maybe one of two players: um, Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri. And Haskins, who I could see falling. And I think that Haskins is going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. Um, I love a lot of his tools. He showed me accuracy that I didn't think he had. He showed me pocket presence and awareness that I didn't think he had. And I understand it's a very small window but I also remember Kyler Murray couldn't win a job at Texas A&M. I understand people are going to say, well, he was a true freshman, blah, 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 blah. He couldn't beat out Kenny Hill. So I remember that well. And uh, I'm not a big believer in, uh, in trading down usually. But this year, I just think the value at pick 50 is very similar to the player he get at 20. And the value at 110 might be very close to what you can get at 20 in, in some regards. I think that there are some phenomenal players that are going to fall. And it's just because of the amount of quantity of players that are maybe B minus or B prospects where there might be a hundred of them in this draft where you, I'm not even going to throw out a name, but you know, you could end up getting a player in this year's draft in the fifth round that would have been a second round pick in a common draft. This is going to be a wild one. That's, that's how I began <laughs> this. I really believe this is going to be a, a wild draft. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's, it's wild in the sense that I feel like there's a lot of guys, you know, to be had. And the Steelers have a lot of picks for a change, which is which is a nice touch. Sure. Although everybody and their brothers wants the Steelers to get rid of some of those picks. Um, but, how about this? If uh, I told you John Till, I'll give you an example. If I told you Tillery, John Tillery from, from Notre Dame, it went to Jerry, 20, G- Jerry, 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 yeah, Tillery. Exactly, Sorry. Jerry Tillery. I'm, my, I'm not the best with names. If I told you that he fell to the third pick in the second round, you wouldn't be shocked You in this year's draft. Most drafts, he's a top 20 pick. Sure. He really is. Just And he, he, he might fall to 40 or 50. You know, if I told you Rashawn Gary from Michigan went seventh overall, you wouldn't be shocked. If I nope. told you he went seventieth, you probably wouldn't be that shocked either because of the lack of production. If I told you yeah. the Steelers had the opportunity to take Montez Sweat in a very, and we we all agree this is a very very slim, you know, outside linebacker pass rush, it's just nuts. Yeah. Well, looking forward to how it actually works out in real life. 
But furthermore, I'm looking forward to how it's going to work out with our Steelers War Room, which we're going to get to in just a minute. Uh, but we're going to take a little break here, and we will be joined by Nick Farabaugh of Steelers Depot to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and draft picks and prospects in general. And that is all for part one of our giant three-part Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers show draft extravaganza. In part two, we're going to be joined with a special guest. That's next time on the Steeler Fury Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.